women have this unique way that we can present the intelligence side and also be tuned into the emotional side because no person comes to faith without engaging both of those mm -hmm. sides of the coin. No person. They may come through a highly emotional conversion experience, but somewhere along the way they engaged thinking about, is this true or not? Mm -hmm. This is Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, in the church, and in the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and this week we are continuing our look at apologetics and evangelism as Holly and Kathy continue to discuss Holly's book and accompanying video series, Searching for God. Study with Friends uses long-form programming, and this episode is a part of a series. You can get the rest of the episodes, learn more about the guests in this series, about the resources we provide, and about the larger work we are doing at studywithfriends.org. One thing that I also, I'm just totally popping Paul's um, expressions here, It's it, but it's a good expression. He says that people take a cafeteria approach to, to spirituality. And what he means by that is they're like, well, I like this. Mm -hmm. I'll take this, like an a la carte. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I will take this. And so if you find someone doing that, what you find is that they're doing the things that are comfortable for them and the things that, that impinge on their ability to self-govern are the things that they leave. Yep. And so it's really challenging. You can't come at somebody straight on and say, you have to lay down yourself to really understand who you are and who God made you to be. But that's where we have to end, right? Because we all understand that's the truth. The truth of the Bible is that God created us. He gave us his son to help us know ourselves and him better. He gave us the law to help us know ourselves mm -hmm. and understand our need for a savior. Then he brought the savior to help us understand him more deeply. That is deep spiritual stuff. And people aren't ready to lay down self immediately to get there. And so it's a really patient, like you said, patient, yeah. multi-sitting process, which means you have to invest in people. Yeah. And I think we've done a disservice a little bit with, you know, the street evangelism and it looks like people are getting conversions yeah. like this, yep. which is great. But how, do those conversions stick? Have we plugged them into a local church? I mean, it's great if you say something to someone on the street and then you walk away and never see them again. It's great that they heard the gospel. But that's definitely not the end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to push back on a lot of things that um, maybe we're sitting in as Christians mm -hmm. that aren't aren't encouraging us to have difficult conversations with non-believers on a regular basis and live in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. So a couple of um, scriptures that support the right and wrong idea. Um, Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And that's supporting of relativism. That is a, that is a, not supporting relativism, but supporting the idea that even back in Isaiah's time, yeah. everyone wanted to do their own thing. Yeah. Uh, what was right for me, right for you. In fact, uh, in Judges 17, 6, it says, In those days Israel had no king, Everyone did as they saw fit. Here again, this is what relativism yeah. is. I'm going to do what's right for me. And you're going to do what's right for you. And if we have conflict, you know, we'll deal with that. But right now I'm just going to do, you do you. Yeah. Right? 
you know, it's funny about reading that scripture because when the first time I read that scripture, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And I know it's slightly different in different versions, but uh, I thought, that's great. People are being really good <laughs> there. <laughs> it's this, you know, and when it was when I was first reading it through, because when I first became a believer, I wanted to read through the Bible from beginning to end. And so, you know, you just kind of plow through it. And so I assumed that they were doing really well. And judges? Yeah. Yikes. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Right. And Right. That's just, a, you know, and when we first start, and this is, this is the beauty of patience, and even anyone who's listening now, if you're a newer believer or if you just haven't gotten into scripture, we just don't get it the mm-hmm. first time, maybe second time, maybe yeah. third time. Yeah. Because to me, I didn't understand because I didn't understand the concept of that we were sinful, yeah. you know, I'd heard it, but I didn't understand it. And so I thought when we do what was right in our own eyes, I thought they were doing what was right. Right. I didn't recognize that w- sometimes what is right and probably more often than not in our own eyes might have nothing to do with God. Yeah. Well, and that's the, if you don't have to look far in the book of Judges to see how right. that is a mess. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So we have a, we have a study on the book of Judges specifically you can look that up on our website and we have a study on the old testament that i think will speak into that right and wrong in judges but so yeah <laughs> i'm glad that, i'm glad that you mentioned that because you're right uh, saying everyone did what was right in their own eyes can seem like oh everybody's trying to be good yeah and you know what that's kind of how we live in our society yeah. be good for goodness sake yep just do good and be good and be kind and be tolerant and be those are good things, but if they don't have a foundation in absolute truth, mm-hmm. they are they are just a la carte, cafeteria-style right. behavior and morality and spirituality. Oh, I will say one last bit. Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O, o mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly? And love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. There's uh, there's a lot of scripture. So as much as we take the approach with um, seekers and skeptics that we start outside of the Bible, this study obviously leans on. This study is for Christians. Mm-hmm. This study is not for non-believers. Yeah. Uh, this is for Christians to equip us. Um, and so, of course, we use scripture throughout. Okay. So the next thing I'd like to talk about is pluralism. Um you want to give me your... I knew you were going to say <laughs> So, the gist of pluralism... I love you. <laughs> so, if we backtrack to our last recording, definitions don't always hold, hold well for me. If my brain okay. is, is much more like spaghetti than it is like a graph. <laughs> or waffles, right? We just use waffles. I don't compartmentalize. I can't hold it in a compartment. It kind of just floats out into the... So what I gather from pluralism is that uh, I feel like it's similar to relativism in it's a you-do-you, but it is very much like all faiths are good faiths. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to bring this up, and, and I feel like maybe this is a good time to bring it up. There is a show on Netflix called God's Favorite Idiots. It's brand new, and it's a comedy, and it's adorable. And I hate to say that because it's so far off the mark. <laughs> of Christianity? Um, right, of Christianity. It's it's the couple from uh, the Mike and Molly woman. Mm-hmm. She's super funny. I can't mm-hmm. remember what her name is. Melissa and McCarthy. Her, Melissa McCarthy mm-hmm. and her actual husband are in the show. And uh, they know scripture. And so it's frustrating. But one at one point, there's an episode where God comes down in a, the form of an older woman. And she says, you're all right. You're all right. Just love people. Mm. And so even as believers... 
we are just believers, not believers, whoever it is, we are inundated with this idea that you are, you've all got it right. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful belief Mm -hmm. because comfortable. It's so comfortable. That's perfect. Then I don't need to say anything because they've got it right. All we have to do is be nice, be kind, love people. And the downside is it can't be true. And so I like how you've written it out here. It's very painful because we seem self-righteous. Yeah. It's very painful to say I'm right and you're wrong. Although we want to say that kind of all the time in other things, in this, we're fearful of saying it. Mm -hmm. And this is actually where it's important Yeah, to say, I hate to say you're wrong. I even, now I'm like, oh, it hurts to say that you're wrong, but we can't all be right. Yeah. Because they, they don't coexist. So how about we flip it? Mm -hmm. So last episode, we were talking about relativism and really really going for the words right and wrong. Mm-hmm. When we talk to someone who has a pluralistic belief system, and that is, you said it really well. Oh, I was going to ask you if I was you on the wrong. Really okay, good. good. <laughs> really good, babe. Is um, all religions lead to the same God. Mm. All religions are right. They just have some nuances of difference. So pluralism sort of is super comfortable and easy And I'm going to say lazy again. I hate to say lazy. Uh, But what I would say is if you come across relativism, really go in for the words right and wrong. If you come across pluralism, stay away from them. Because it it is them's fighting words. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. When you say I'm right and you're wrong. So what you can say is then you can say, I believe the Bible is truth. I believe that the Christian Bible is God's revelation of himself. I have tested the things that I've learned and read in the Christian Bible and found them to be true. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes because we're going to spend a lot of time on the resurrection. And I want to really, really talk about that with almost the remainder of our time. I often will tell people I have really tested this against other faiths and because it's true. I looked um, in college, I was actually forced to look. I took like world religions. It was like my one of my electives. Mm-hmm. And so I had a Christian faith at that time, but it was new. And well, it was newly, whatever, it doesn't matter. It was newish. Um, and so I started hearing all these competing religions. And I was like, well, that seems also true. Mm-hmm. Or that might also be true. And how do I know that what I think is true? Uh, and so again, you know, when when God convicts you or when something comes in your path where you where you question, don't run away from that. Run to it mm-hmm. and learn because God wants to be found. You know, Acts 17 says he is not far from us. And and uh, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, ask me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Great and unsearchable things. That's deep things and he's promising that and so run to it he's waiting for you in that truth and so I can say that I have looked at this because I have I'm a super skeptical person we've talked about that I'm very skeptical everything that happened I'm like what source that you know I'm just super I'm not trusting I'm broken in that way Mm -hmm. I'm very very untrusting and but that serves me it can serve me well So when it comes to pluralism or someone saying, you know, it's all the same God or all spirituality is good, 
In fact, in the man on the street interviews, one of the women said, I just don't think that Christianity is the only way to access spirituality. Mm-hmm. And that sounds weighty. Sure. And it sounds smart, right? It sounds kind as well. Kind and compassionate because mm-hmm. they're not negating yours. Right. Yeah. And so I think we as Christians have to be super careful not to perpetuate the narrative in our culture that we are haters. Mm-hmm. So we have to be really delicate about conversations about pluralism but i think a really smart direction to take when it comes to pluralism is to honor the other religions instead of dishonor them and one of the things that i often will say one of the things in the video companion which almost all of the apologists say is when people say all religions are basically the same they're actually dishonoring all of those religions Because if you look at the truth claims of different religions, they can't all be true. And so when you say something like that, you're saying, actually, you mean to be respectful, but you're being disrespectful of what these people, millions of people in the major religions believe. And if you start there with a person who thinks we should be respectful to everyone, If you start by saying, did you know that actually by saying that, that's pretty disrespectful to most of the world religions? Because either there is no God or there is. Mm -hmm. Either he is three or he is one. Mm -hmm. And these are fundamental truth claims. We could both be wrong, but we can't both be right. right. And just... gently bringing someone to an understanding that what they're saying is actually in most cases the opposite of what they're trying to accomplish which is let's just all get along Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we can all get along Mm -hmm. but we can't all hold our truth claims and be right Mm -hmm. how's that land yeah, I mean, I think that it obviously makes sense. All that it all, it all links together. I think it it makes it really uncomfortable. I think even the mention of it being disrespectful makes it uncomfortable. Boy, I just I keep going back to the differences between my husband and I. My husband is very black and white. He lays it out, and sometimes I'm like, ooh, but sometimes it makes me think harder than if he tried to say it really, really nicely. And uh, saying that outright would be painful to hear. And for me, it would be very painful to say. I know my personality. Enough Tell to know me what you mean by painful to hear and painful uh, to say. So, so if if I were to say, I'll, I'll start with saying it first. If I were to say to somebody, uh, you're actually being disrespectful, I feel like I'm insulting them. Mm-hmm. So immediately I cringe. It makes me feel bad. I don't want to do that. Is there a different way you can say it? I don't want to hurt because anyone. Because that's the, that's the spirit of what we need to communicate. Yeah. But what's a good way to say that? I don't, I'm, I'm in a new phase of asking questions. I don't know if that's better because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's really it off the you cuff. Know, and so I'm not, I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. better or, or not. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that we have been given the personality we've been given to work in the way that's best for us. But saying that, maybe I would ask, boy, I'm just trying to think what I would ask because I, I maybe would want to say, uh, why would you say that? Obviously starting out with a really vague question and trying to narrow it in. Because I would agree with you that it is disrespectful because if I believe that that Jesus was resurrected and then you tell me that the other person who says he wasn't res- resurrected holds as much weight as mine does, I would say, well, that's not 
very respectful. What right. you're saying to me then right. is, is that I'm 100% wrong. So then maybe the word respect needs to come out, but the spirit of it yeah. needs to stay in there. So maybe one way to say that, one one thing that I was thinking when you were saying ask asking questions, which you know is my favorite tactic, is um, uh, to just say, have you ever investigated the truth claims of the different world, major world religions? Yep, very good ever, question. Have you ever yeah. investigated what those truth claims yeah. are? And if someone says yes, and I still think this, then you could say, let's talk about Jesus' divinity then. Either he's divine or he's not, but but they can't both be right. How do you deal with that? Most people say, well, he was a prophet. I Right. So some religions believe that. Mm-hmm. But what about the one that doesn't? or the ones that don't, what do you do with that? When, when we think about this overarching umbrella, everybody's right. Mm-hmm. How do you cope with the differences? How do you cope with the differences? That might be a softer yeah. way. Is that a better way? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm saying to you, mm-hmm. that, like I'm shorthanding it to you, like the, what they're saying is actually disrespectful. Right and wrong, we probably want to stay away from. But yeah. qu- you're right. Questions are the better way to engage because it forces them to think. And questions can be a little dicey mm-hmm. because we don't want to be like, well, what do you say about this? Right. It has to be, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. Or tell me your thoughts on that. People want to share their thoughts on things. They do. And and if you if you're genuine, which we have to be, we could only be by prayer. Like, you know you're coming in. You know you're going to Starbucks with a friend who doesn't believe in God. Pray that up mm-hmm. before you go there. You got to pray it up. Difficult conversations require prayer. You and I had a difficult conversation once, and you told me you prayed it up really Oh, hard. yeah. <laughs> it, was really, it, it was a really good yeah. conversation. So I think that is the key. A humble heart, not a heart that says, I know I'm right, and I'm going to prove this to you. That's really about winning the fights, not, mm-hmm. not about winning the heart. Yeah. Humility and an openness to really learning what that person thinks. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah, I appreciate that. And laying it down when you feel like you've pushed that person too far. Yeah. I know, uh, and I say this because my daughter is brilliant and strong-willed, and it's one of the things I love about her, very willing to answer all questions with the way that she feels and she thinks. And then we start going, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? And then she just goes, well, we can agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they feel attacked. Because she feels attacked. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I go, oh, I didn't lay that down early enough. Mm-hmm. I should have laid that down mm-hmm. when I could feel her starting. Yeah, defensive. You know, getting that, yeah. getting, getting tense because that's really hard. When you're asking somebody questions that they maybe have never worked through before, mm-hmm. And that lays opposite to what they might have latched onto. It is hard not to get defensive. Or if you're asking questions of people and they really. So I have a daughter that's in a similar situation. She has a. She believes. I'm not going to share her beliefs. That's her. That's her business. But people who have examined their faith mm-hmm. and have come up with something that's just a little bit off from Christianity or the truth of the Bible, but something in their life experience has caused them to hold tightly to where they settled in. That becomes, it's hard when it's someone you love deeply or care about, but I have to say that I I think that becomes less a conversation about faith and more a conversation about 
understanding their lived experience and saying, I am so sorry you went through that or you're going through that or I am so sorry that happened to you because it can't be, it can't be out there anymore Mm -hmm. when it's so deeply, deeply entrenched in their heart for whatever reason, because we, we talk about like a big common conversation right now in the church is deconstructing. It's like this big popular term people deconstructing their faith and Mm. a lot of times the root of that is at a church hurt yeah someone from the church hurt me whatever that might look like or someone in the church hurt me someone used the bible jesus god as a weapon or the the church the the belief system hurt me Mm. and so then it really be it's not about like the concepts of right and wrong um truth absolute truth relative truth morality it's not really about that anymore now it becomes about the person's lived experience and a few minutes ago you said you really like to read people i think that when we get we are this is this is our fundamental truth it is difficult for us not to get emotionally yeah. invested in these conversations. But when we get emotionally invested in the conversations, which we we should be emotionally invested with the person, but we can't let our emotions run away with us because then we stop being able to read what's going on with them. If we're too busy feeling what's going on with us, we're not paying attention to what's going on with them. And this is where the intellectual meets the emotional. Yeah. And this is why it makes me so frustrated to hear women say, I can't do apologetics because I think women are especially equipped to Absolutely. do apologetics. Right. Because if you engage your brain, we're naturally emotional people. Right. And we're naturally nurturers mm-hmm. and carers and um, and emotionally um, intelligent with each other. We just, we, we are culturally wired that way mm-hmm. or we're maybe, maybe we're biologically wired that way. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but, but that's why I think that women have this unique way that we can present the intelligent side and also be tuned into the emotional side because no person comes to faith without engaging both of those mm-hmm. sides of the coin. No person. They may come through a highly emotional conversion experience, but somewhere along the way they engaged thinking about, is this true or not? Mm-hmm. And maybe you just need Jesus and you are having a terrible time in your life and somebody came to you and presented that great. And that may have been a highly emotional uh, conversion experience. But I really believe that people come to faith because they found a way to marry the, the thinking and the feeling of, of Christianity. And so when we have these conversations, we have to engage both of those at the same time. And we have to be really sensitive and so I think what you said earlier about these being, you said drippings, <laughs> these tiny, <laughs> these tiny, tiny conversations, like don't go into a conversation thinking you're going to accomplish all of it. In fact, maybe go into it thinking I, I may not accomplish anything mm-hmm. today, but maybe I can just listen and ask good questions. And, and the outcome belongs to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And at the, if we can hold on to that, that the outcome belongs to the Lord, then we can just stay in the space of God, just use me, help me be sensitive to this person, help me listen to this person and equip me with the things that you've taught me in the past so that I have them and I am prepared to give a reason for what I believe and the hope that lives in me. This program is produced by Study With Friends. 
Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.